Thank you. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Malkinu yis kadash vizichrecha Malkinu yis
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Arab Shabbos. Oh, yeah. Arab Shabbos Shira. Derech Achim and Lechadodi. Levi Cohen had Matanatova. You throw a word girl with Israel Biyachad. Yaakov Shweki's Kolanishama, Oded done by Yoni Z, Gershon Verobus Shimcha, Bowie, that's Itzik Dadya, and of course Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this January the 18th at 12th of Shvat. Good morning, all. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Bishalach. Erev Shabbos Shira with candlelighting time in New York at 436. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 436 candlelighting here in the uh, New York area. Uh, Monday's a legal holiday here in the United States. It is Tu Bishvat. That's not the reason that's not the reason they're observing a legal holiday. But Monday is Tu Bishvat and Mayor Weingarten is expected in studio here. Um, at JM in the AM on Monday to celebrate Tubishvat with us. Our Tubishvat special is one of the uh, landmark programs of the year, and we get to uh, enjoy it together and celebrate together this coming Monday right here at JM in the AM. All right, so make sure to be tuned in. It should be a lot of fun. It always is. That's right. Um, 32 degrees outside with 91.1% humidity winds in Northeast at five miles an hour morning snow showers and a high temperature of 41, little bit treacherous in this area to walk, um, with the snow that's fallen. So be careful out there. Partly cloudy tonight, low 30 afternoon snow showers for Shabbos with a high of 36 and this is where listener Justin uh, uh, Justin Spiro's uh, weather report gets a little, as he calls it, complicated. Uh, who knows what's exactly going to happen Saturday night into early Sunday morning with the expected storm. But in this area, at least what I saw online, they expect about an inch of snow. In other areas, it could be more. So afternoon snow showers for Shabbos with a high of 36, more snow. On Saturday night, 49 right now in Yerushalayim. We're at 32 degrees on a Friday morning in New York City. As we say good morning at JM and the AM. A reminder, Malcolm Holmline will join us, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We call it the weekly update. He'll be with us Friday morning, this morning here at JM and the AM, just about an hour from now. Rabbi Yudin will be live from Israel. Always a special treat. When Rabbi Yudin uh, addresses us from the Holy Land. That'll happen at 8.15 this morning. Rabbi Yudin and the Torah portion of the week discussion coming up here at JM in the AM. You've chosen a great morning to tune in. Thanks for listening. Plenty more coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
In the AM, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. As, um, let's see, Yitzchak Fuchs with Shira Shvacha. Yom Zed done by Eitan Freilach. Ohad had Birchas Oreach and Levado off of Bishat Tova. Boy Vishalom from the Moshav Band. 
Welcome to a Friday. It's Shabbos Shira. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Bishalach. Candle lighting at 436 in New York. Two Bishvat special on Monday. We head to Atlanta a week from Monday, courtesy of the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem and the OU with amazing programming down there. Boy, oh boy, do we have wonderful stuff going on, I must say. And it is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at com on the NachumSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Coming up at 7.40 Eastern Time, the weekly update. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us. The weekly update right here at JM in the AM. So get ready for that. Explore the uh, news of the week, especially as it relates to Israel and the Jewish world. Golly, it's all in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up, then head into hour number two of our broadcast. Don't forget, we have amazing programming all day long. You want to make sure to keep it at the Nachum Siegel Network all through your Friday era of Shabbos. Golly, it's all Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next to Jamie. גלי צהל השעה שתיים, כאן גוני כהן עם מה שקורה עכשיו. שני ילדים כבני עשר נפגעו היום אנוש וקשה במקלחת ביתם, ככל הנראה בעקבות שאיפת חומר רעיל. הילדים תושבי הפזורה הבדואית הובאו לקבלת טיפול רפואי בבית החולים סורוקה בבאר שבע. המשטרה פתחה בחקירת נסיבות המקרה. ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו נפגש היום עם ראש ממשלת רומניה ויורקה דנצ'ילה בלשכתו בירושלים. אני מקווה שתפעלי לעצירת ההחלטות הרעות של האיחוד האירופי נגד ישראל, אמר נתניהו והוסיף, מצפה שתפעלו גם להעברת השגרירות שלכם ושגרירויות נוספות לירושלים. כתבתנו טל זרביב מוסרת שהמנהיגים דנו בתוקפנות האיראנית באזור ובניסיונה של איראן להתבסס צבאית בסוריה. לוחמי צה"ל עצרו מוקדם יותר פלסטיני שחצה את גדר המערכת מצפון רצועת עזה לשטח ישראל. החשוד נעצר בסמוך לנקודת החצייה והועבר לתחקור כוחות הביטחון. כתבנו צחי דבוש מוסר שעל גופו של החשוד לא נתפס נשק. מזג האוויר במהלך השבת התחממות קלה בראשון ובשני דומה, ולקראת ט"ו בשבט שיצוין ביום שני, עשרות אלפי מטיילים ניצלו. את מזג האוויר הנאה ופקדו משעות הבוקר את אתרי הקרן הקיימת לישראל לקיום המנהג המסורתי של נטיעת עץ. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, שבת שירה, פרשת בשלח, מירושלים ב-4 ו-25 דקות, בתל אביב ב-4 ו-39 דקות, בחיפה ב-4 ו-28 דקות, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת ב-4 ו-43 דקות. ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר בערב, בירושלים ב-5 ו-40 דקות, בתל אביב ב-5 ו-41 דקות, בחיפה ב-5 ו-39 דקות, ובבאר שבע תצא השבת ב-5. ו-43 דקות. שבת שלום לכולם, אלה החדשות.
Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM, 20 minutes after 7 o'clock. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Hope you're enjoying our Friday morning Erev Shabbos presentation. Malcolm Holmline is coming up. He's Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, scheduled for 7.40 Eastern Time this morning here at JM in the AM. Uh, let's see, before the... Uh, Oh, we did Macha Bracha. That was Shmuel Younger. Saw Shmuel Younger last night at uh, the beautiful Bar Mitzvah. Uh, Yaakov Shloimi Teitelbaum, Miriam and Aaron Teitelbaum's son, was Bar Mitzvah last night. 
And um, it, it was just such a beautiful and wonderful bar mitzvah celebration. A uh, a lovely, lovely party um, with some great people, many of whom I hadn't seen in a long, long time. Incredible music. I mean, all the musicians went all out for the Titlebaum family. Uh, we were able to enjoy the lead singing of Avi Peretz and Barry Weber and Schleimi Daskal and it was just a wonderful and incredible evening. So to uh, Miriam and Aaron Teitelbaum and to uh, Yaakov Schleimi and the entire family, from all of us in the Siegel family, the extended Siegel family, and on behalf of all the friends and longtime associates that were there last night, we say mazal tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. Just beautiful. Just an absolutely beautiful celebration. Hamish and wonderful. Mazal tov. J.M. and the A.M. on a Friday. Erev Shabbos Shira, Erev Shabbos Parshas B'Shalach, candle lighting at 436 in New York. Monday is Tu B'Shvat. You can't miss our Tu B'Shvat special. Who would want to? Make sure to be tuned in this coming Monday morning, our Tu B'Shvat special right here at J.M. and the A.M.
J.M. in the A.M., 7.35 in the morning with Shal Shalas. That's Yibane HaMikdash. Words we say during Shabbos Miros. Aryeh Kunzler, perfect song for this Shabbos Az Yashir on this Shabbos Shira. Erev Shabbos B'Shalach. Maran done by Miami. Macha Bracha, that was Shmuley Unger. Candlelighting 436, weekly update just minutes away as we get set to uh, analyze and discuss the news of the week especially as it relates to Israel and the Jewish world. It's coming up with Malcolm Honeline. Um, yeah, so we've got, got lots of stuff. I want to thank those who are checking in on the app. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Malcolm Single Network app, for uh, Android and iPhone, and uh, comment away. Why not? Let us know where you are, what you want to hear. How you're going to be spending yeshiva break. Yeah, a lot of people are already on yeshiva break. 
Let us know where you're listening to JM in the AM because there's a good chance that you're listening somewhere around the world. And, of course, we thank you for that. Yaakov Shweki's next. It's JM in the AM.
JM in the AM Friday morning. My apologies. Drop behind schedule. Rabbi Yudin, by the way, is going to join us from Israel, which is always an extra special treat. Rabbi Yudin is going to be live from Israel on this Erev Shabbos Parshish B'Shalach, Erev Shabbos Shira. Pretty cool. Malcolm Holmline is coming up next. I remind you, he will be Pesach in Puerto Vallarta. Go to PesachInVallarta.com or dial this number, 786-290-5919. Again, that's 786-290-5919. Malcolm Holmline is executive. Oh, and a big shout-out to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. You can print out hundreds and thousands of articles before Shabbos to read over Shabbos about uh, what's happening in Israel and the Jewish world, jewishworldreview.com. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning era of Shabbos. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Bokatov to you. Nice to speak with you. Is, <laughs> you too. Is that the accent you picked up in Puerto Vallarta? In this is I'm practicing. <laughs> I'm doing Mexican. You, you don't even. You don't, you don't even. It's such you an don't, amazing program. I want to be ready. For you it. don't even know what language they speak down there. I bet. <laughs> Yiddish. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, the Seder in Yiddish. Uh, well, after taking responsibility Sunday morning for Saturday's air attacks against Iranian arms warehouses at the Damascus International Airport, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu went a step further in the afternoon and said those attacks will intensify if need be. First of all, Malcolm, and you know, call me a cynic, but I mean, would he have made as big a public declaration about these attacks? if not for being in the middle of a prime prime ministerial campaign. That's number one. And what do you think he means in terms of the attacks intensifying? Was it just a, a blanket warning to Iran that Israel's standing by if they play games in the Middle East? I think that uh, there are a number of factors, and it, it took people by surprise. And, of course, there's always a tendency during an election to, to politicize any decision, any statement, uh, and... <laughs> That's certainly the case here, but I think there are a variety of considerations. One is that uh, it was a warning to Iran and a reminder to them to uh, and to, to tell the Russians we're going to continue to do what we need to do. Uh, after his discussions with Putin, where essentially uh, we understand he said that Israel, as he has said publicly, will take the steps necessary. Remember, he also speaks as the defense minister right. and the foreign minister. And the communications minister, <laughs> and um, uh, with portfolio, without portfolio, without a, a number of portfolios, right? <laughs> so, uh, and I think there's an additional factor, and that is that I don't think that the Iranian government was being given the facts, or they believed they weren't being given the facts about the heavy losses that were sustained, and that this was a message to Soleimani and through and to the Iranian leadership uh, that. Uh, have you guys really assessed uh, Soleimani knows, but whether the government officials know is is a big question. And also to the Iranian people, to let them know what they're losing, what the sacrifices are in their continued uh, occupation in Syria and presence in Syria. So it could be for domestic consumption in Iran, certainly domestic consumption in, in Israel, and, um, and messages to the parties across the border. There are uh, other factors as well when one 
considers uh, Eisenkot is leaving, uh, finishing his term, and this was his farewell speech, and he talked about 2,000 bombs being dropped. It's, esta- it's establishing his record and of his years of, uh, of service. So I think that all of these perhaps uh, figured into the decision, but there, there's been a tendency uh, for some time to take uh, credit, as some say, or at least take responsibility for these acts. You know, you, you, you raise the point that, I mean, I, I don't know if anybody knows the answer to this, but if you'd poll honestly, if, if, you, if you would do an honest poll of Iran's citizens, would the majority of them want out of Syria? You see the demonstrations by the hundreds of thousands of people, including now, and nobody talks about these are not as big as the massive demonstrations were, but they're ongoing. Thousands and thousands every year of demonstrations against the economic conditions, against the social conditions, against the drought, against the government corruption are taking place. And the government is very uh, careful about not reporting a lot of what is happening in uh, in in Syria, and for a while, if you remember, they uh, Hezbollah, for instance, uh, would deny the losses. They would quickly bury people, and then they started taking credit and doing it publicly because the losses were becoming too obvious to the people uh, that uh, you know these were martyrs defending the borders, um, trying to to idealize their involvement in uh, in in Syria in ways that uh, Lebanese people would be more sympathetic and more appreciative of it. It did not work. And, you know, you, you can never tell what the public knows or, or doesn't know. There's just a new poll out today that shows that uh, a very significant percentage of the American people, a majority, uh, favor keeping the troops in Syria, which is counterintuitive that most Americans in most polls, they show that they want the troops back home and certainly... You know, president has advocated that. So it's hard to know in, in a close society how much people know or don't know. They get news usually from non-Iranian sources for information like that. Right. So the prime minister is serving not not really as a as a he's not really issuing a warning. It's a good there's a good possibility the majority of Iranian citizens are quote unquote on his side on this issue. He's just giving them information, giving them information they probably wouldn't know about. If he wouldn't make it public, right? And I know for a lot of people, they say, "Well, how can people in the 21st century not right. know?" You know, they may they don't get the details. The, the um, Iranians this past week uh, launched that missile that we were talking about for a couple of weeks, and this, which is in the view of many, including even uh, the French, came out and told Iran to stop these uh, ballistic missile attacks because these uh, are violation of Security Council resolution and of the agreement, the 2015 agreement, because it, it, that bans all ballistic missile activities designed to carry nuclear weapons. And they can't even test ballistic missiles of that kind and ballistic missile technology. Uh, so um, the, the, the French, the other European countries, Netanyahu said, that the the Iranian satellite launch was an attempt to develop an ICBM. But the fact is that the launch failed. And yet Rouhani went out, the president, and praised the success of the launch, because if the people aren't told what a disaster it was, and only later did the um, Minister of Telecommunications uh, admit that it failed to reach orbit. 
So the first they they try to convince the people that there is a, a great success, and then they um, you know they had to admit the the failure because everybody else was reporting it and acknowledging that it uh, that didn't make it into uh, into orbit. But that's why you know it's credible to believe that they don't know the real facts about what price they're paying there. And once the real story comes out, they can't spin it in any positive manner. It's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Iranians now are deploying um, uh, ships in the Western Atlantic, which is a great concern and should be. And they're docking in Venezuela, but they're, they're patrolling on the corridors that lead to the, to the United States. And the Russians are there as well, and they could be hooking up and doing this uh, together to join patrols. But you know they have a very little navy, and yet they're deploying for six months or more in uh, in the Western Atlantic. It's part of the you know aggressive approach that they take, and they try to show the flag, but they want to counter threat the United States. And we know that they have stealth subs that we've talked about these little submarines they made at home, and they've made uh, um, other ships and and of course uh, uh, other um, armed uh, arms uh, because of the embargoes and everything, they, they've turned to making more of this stuff at home. But the, these things are not really capable of going to the Western Atlantic. They are capable of harassing our ships and to in, in the uh, Gulf and, and the Straits and, and threatening them, and they use mines to constrict the shipping. Uh, so the, the Iranian uh, adventurism and, and expansionism of, is continuing, and they are, are working in bigger and bigger areas to to threat to pose a threat, uh, even admitting that they can enrich to 20 percent the uranium in, they have in four days, and the agreement states that they have to be they can't go above a capacity of 3.67. So this is clearly a violation coming from their own leadership, and yet they don't seem to pay any price for it. Uh, the IDF announced the end of Operation Northern Shield on Sunday after it discovered a sixth cross-border attack tunnel belonging to Hezbollah in northern Israel. Now, first of all, as I as I wrote on Facebook, this tunnel's a doozy. I mean, it's got some it's got some measurements and it's got some a lot of space and some very sophisticated material and weaponry in there. Uh, that's number one. Number two, we're confused as regular people why this puts the Operation Northern Shield to a close, because did they know that there's six and no more than six tunnels up north? Well, you know that they've been monitoring them for a long time. We know that they have a pretty good idea of where their tunnel, where the tunnels were being built. It does not mean that they're stopping the surveillance. It means it's an end of the very intense and broad engagement there, with a lot of manpower, a lot of equipment to search out the tunnels. They destroyed, they found the sixth one and are in the process now of destroying it, and they fill it with liquid cement. They do other things in explosives um, to make sure that they're not uh, reused, but it doesn't mean it's an end to deployments completely in the north. They're obviously looking all the time for new tunnels, because we know that is the, the pattern, but the tunnels there take a long time. They involve underground digging, and Israel has put sensors in the ground that will detect uh, a good part of uh, or the likelihood of, of any drilling going on pretty early on, and then they follow it to see 
you know, how, how far they're going to go and before they become operational, they act against it. So for now, I think that uh, that was what the declaration uh, meant. It was, uh, again, I don't know, for political purpose, other purpose to, to state, you know, we've done the job. Here we were able to bring uh, some of the people home and we'll continue to be vigilant. You saw some of the things that the tunnel contained, right? It is quite amazing. Hulu, Netflix, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's incredible to see what advanced uh, design uh, that they had electricity, they had uh, communication systems, and a lot of things built into it, including carving steps inside the mountain. Uh, it's really uh, unbelievable, the investment they make in, in it at a time when the people don't have food and, and are complaining about the, you know, the cost that, that the, the wars and the conflicts have taken in, in Lebanon. And the whole operation, I, I don't remember the date of the first tunnel discovery, but it was, it was not even two months ago. Am I right about that? I'm, I'm thinking. Well, you see, discovery is the key word. They did discover them a lot earlier. The, the first announcement and public action against it was just a few months ago, but mm-hmm. uh, but. They knew, and they've been watching these things. Took six months, a year, to 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 get to where they got in in you know drilling through the mountain and then up. You know, some of them were were a couple meters wide and many meters high. As you said, a very sophisticated infrastructure there. Unbelievable depth of fifty-five meters, which equals a hundred and eighty feet. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. A reminder, a lot of these issues that we discuss, especially those that are really hot-button issues in Israel, Mayor Weingarten discusses during the Israel Show, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, right after JM and the AM on Mondays, including this coming Monday. And don't forget, he'll be here for the Tu B'Shvat special, Bezrat Hashem, this coming Monday. And now, Malcolm, the story that I think uh, every, I think a lot of our listeners certainly were concerned about U.S. President Donald Trump's deal of the century expected to be rolled out after the Israeli elections April 9th will include a Palestinian state on 85 to 90 percent of the West Bank and the division of Jerusalem, according to a Channel 13 news reports referring to Channel 13 in Israel. And um, and then, of course, there have been many denials already from the White House that this is not, uh, in fact, the peace plan. What can you tell us about the latest rumors regarding the Washington peace plan? Well, until it's revealed, it's going to be constant speculation. And until the key parties, and and you have to give them credit that they've been able to contain the information, uh, and there haven't been leaks, and I think it's because that there are only a few people who really know what's in the proposed uh, plan. Uh, but right now, in, during the election in Israel, there's no way they're going to put forward a, a plan. You, you would It would become so politicized immediately and probably kill it. Uh, but I, I thought that the interesting thing is the, is the um, reaction of the PA, where they already rejected the plan based on this report, and know that, and then of course the denials that the report was inaccurate about what what it asserted. I wonder what uh, they don't like about it. They don't like anything about anything that this administration does, and they will have made clear that they will not negotiate with the people from the administration. I don't even talk to them now, so. They'll be bypassed if, uh, I guess, the things could move ahead, at least with other Arab countries they are, who are losing more and more interest in the, in the Palestinian issue while they pay lip service. And, of course, it's you know, a concern to their people, and they feel that they have to, to engage in it. 
but what they tell us is is very different. They're tired of the kleptocracy, the you know the fact that he's in the, in ten years overdue on his election or more, and yet he stood at the podium meeting Abbas uh, this week as head of the G77, which is the largest group of uh, a block in the United Nations. There what? are 134 countries, I think, in the GCC and the G77. And the the he, you know he took the platform at the UN to denounce Israel, and now speaks allegedly in the name of, of tries to speak in the name of group. I think they'll get tired of this when they have they're supposed to deal with economic development, growth, etc. Um, and uh, he, he's hijacking. He doesn't represent a state. How did he get the so position? It was an election. And of course, it's the UN, so the majority, especially when dealing well, with. Well, it's no, it's not the vote in the UN. It's a vote in the G77, which is a, an organization of its own. So it's not a UN group. It's like the G20, the G8. Right. You know, this is the G77. This is the groups that were supposedly, um, you know, neutral initially, but but uh, really uh, underdeveloped countries. Uh, and developing countries. I thought his position. To, to I, I thought collectivized the voice. I thought, I thought this distinction uh, was painted as a victory for him at the United Nations. Is that unrelated? To no, what? that's very much related. Oh, it is related. And and the, that is the interesting thing is that the, at a time when Palestinian people are all complaining and and all the polls show that they largely reject him and and uh, at the same time the the media the Palestinian media has been proclaiming this as as some sort of a, a huge victory for them. And yet, you know, when he comes home now, nothing has changed. It, it, it has no impact uh, uh, for the people. And I think that the, you know, this is, um, again, the propagandizing that uh, we have so often seen on the international scene. Again, he, he now will try to allege to speak in the name uh, of all these people. And instead, as Nanon pointed out, you know, that she should be giving account for the 7% of his budget, which is over $350 million that go to benefits of, of terrorists and their, and their families or the terrorists who are in jail. And he continues to say that he is going to do this no matter what, even though the United States, many European countries and others have urged him to end this, the, the pay-to-slay uh, structure. Yeah. Uh, on this deal, by the way, on, on the assumption for a moment that the rumor is true about what it does include, let's say 85, 90% of the West Bank, Division of Jerusalem, etc. Um, in the last, I mean, let's, I don't know, since there's been a PA, <laughs> they have been offered this deal or a similar one very often in the past, right? This is people who are nervous when they read this should realize. Uh, they've been offered a similar deal to this many, many times, and and we, we don't know what the deal is. Now. I don't like to engage in speculation. Right, I, I got that. The people who are involved are are people who are caring, and um, I, I think even the numbers that we read, as you said, that's not a novel um, suggestion. If in fact that is the suggestion, but I have to tell you, more and more people believe that the, the option for what they call two-state solution or, or even a, a real permanent resolution right now is very distant. You don't have a party to it. And, you know, the, the PA keeps rejecting everything right. that, that, uh, that it gets proposed. They walked away from all those other deals, which were 90%, 95%, 98% of what they wanted. Right. And there's no reason 
I believe that to, to expect that it will be different. There can be different proposals. There may be creative steps to take, interim steps that you know don't go to to a final agreement, and hopefully will create circumstances for it. But I think that they they can take constructive steps. You know, there of course the Israelis have always urged economic development, other right. things that you better their life. People feel they have a better stake. It's a way to counter Hamas's growing influence in in the West Bank uh, areas. So, they, you know, there's a lot at stake. Yeah, I'm not trying to cause trouble. I'm, I'm simply trying to calm people down. That you know, we've been down this road all, many, many times. Exactly, and, and they shouldn't jump to conclusions. Yeah. And, you know, but every story gets a life in, and until I think you hear it from some authoritative stores either in Israel or here, right. I don't think we should uh, jump off the bridges yet. Also, we're just like, we've been hearing about this for so long already. Like, you know, we were, we're essentially waiting two years when you think about it, right? Since the inauguration, we're basically yeah, waiting. This, this is the longest gestation period one can imagine. Whoever's writing, again. whoever's writing this thing is taking their time. Elon Omar, a newly elected Democratic Congresswoman from Minnesota, secured a seat on the House Foreign Affairs Committee Thursday, bringing to that high-level forum experience as a Somali refugee, perspective as one of the first two Muslim women elected to Congress, and dissent as a harsh critic of America's longstanding allies in the Middle East. We know who that includes. Now, I, I, again, on the subject of not causing trouble, I know sometimes it's uncomfortable to speak about specific candidates, uh, especially we know that uh, locally here, uh, U.S. Senator Gillibrand has declared uh, for the presidency, etc. But there is a concern. Let's at least admit that there's a concern about the Democratic Party and the, and the way it might be heading, even among uh, those we were able to depend on in the past, because of of the uh, fringe group, extreme group, call it what you want. We, you can tell us how significant this is that she's now going to be a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Okay, so there are a lot of issues, um, and I think it is very significant. We are very concerned about the trends in the party and the politics in general, the, on the right, on the left. Uh, one is that we should remember this is uh, out of the 535 members of the House and Senate. It's uh, a mutual mute. This is a small minority. It's a, fel- a handful of people who the press gives way exaggerated coverage to and exploits. Uh, and at the same time, uh, frankly, uh, many people have been asking if the Republican Party could take action against Stephen King. Right. Why isn't Right. There's some action being taken against uh, these people who not only are pro-BDS, associate with anti-Semites and anti-Israel forces, put, uh, uh, as um, Taleb did, put uh, covered Israel on a map and wrote Palestine over it and are swearing in. And uh, they're trying to be provocative. I think they get coverage and they're trying to build a base. I think this new Congress is stronger in many respects than previous Congress. Uh, the previous Congress was. Uh, I, I think that the support for the pro-Israel measures that are pending is going to be very strong. If you remember, it was Rand Paul who held up the Israel, the 10-year deal with Israel, uh, uh, not uh, not the Democrats and not the leftists, but the the um, uh, 
uh, that bill is now going to pend, is now pending before Congress. The the uh, anti BDS legislation, other things, and and we've heard some people criticizing it at a free speech basis. It's not a free speech issue. Uh, people should read what the Texas Attorney General said about it, and now further action that they're taking. And most of all, listen to what from a somewhat surprising source, Trudeau. Oh, I was, and I asked you, I thought that was surprising. I'm saying to myself, wasn't he making but statements? Let, let me come to that in a minute, because sure. I don't want to lose your Go original ahead. question, right. uh, because it, it, is, it opens up such a Pandora's box of issues. Um, but I am very disturbed, and I think this is outrageous that they got a, that, uh, that she got appointed to the Foreign Relations Committee when she has espoused the views she has. I don't know how they hold them to account without, and I've talked to many Democratic leaders, congressmen, they are all upset about it, and they they see it as a threat, even members of Black Caucus who see it as as a dangerous trend. Uh, the, these are, are people who know nothing, and every time they get a real in-depth interview that demonstrates that they don't know anything. Most got elected by a fluke. And if you studied their elections, you see they got elected with a minority of the vote. Right. Uh, and in in uh, Torquez's Cortez's case, it was uh, what ten percent or, or a little bit more. Right. Uh, but the minorities didn't vote for them. Uh, it, it, I think blacks and Hispanics split, and the blacks voted two to one against her. And it was a small group uh, in a gentrified area that really put her over. And most of all, it was Crowley's failure to. To campaign and to be home and to and he by his admission by the right. way right he knows uh, he knows he blew it right and so you know you got to study in each of these cases you see that in Michigan there were there were five African American candidates and they divided the vote and each circumstance is different the fact is they're there and they're being given a platform because they say outrageous stuff which is exactly what the press wants and we don't want to feed that frenzy but at the same time. I think holding uh, Democratic leadership to account about how they handle this is very important. And, and the same way, holding uh, Republicans or extreme rightists who, who do the same thing or who take uh, outrageous positions, to hold them to account. This is, you know, it's not insignificant. And when she, she in her case, it seems, and it's been alleged, lied about before the election, saying that she did not oppose BDS. And then, of course, the day afterwards came out and said she she not oppose. I mean, she didn't support BDS. And, of course, the day after the election, right. reversed that position, now denies, you know, that she flip-flopped. How do, you, how do you become a committee member? Is there confirmation? Is it an appointment by one person? How does it work? How do you become... the, the, the speaker appoints. And that's it? And there's no... But con- there's a process. Well, there is a, an internal process, of course, and the... the um, uh, you know, there's a limit to how many chairs, you, chairmanships you can hold. But it's not many, one of these public confirmation it's, it's, hearings. It's not like one of those things. I mean, that's it's not, not a public right. process. So this is it. It's a, it's a, it's yeah, but people compete because they want to get on foreign relations or, you know, in some cases they have a special interest like Max right. Rose on, I on get that. But veteran all, affairs. But all I'm saying is if she's now going to be a member, it, it tells us the Speaker of the House wanted her to become a member of that committee, correct? Or owed it to her, whatever, however you would, you would put it. Or gave it to her, right? And, and right. why is the big question? And I hope that Elliot Engel, who's the chairman of the committee, and will have to deal with her in that capacity, will will um, you know? I'm sure will be very strong on, on this issue. And I don't know that he acquiesced to it. We have to find out. You know, Steve King, you mentioned he's been in Congress since '03. Was he ever reliable on Israel? Why am I thinking that there were times that he was? What we would call "quote unquote" a friend of Israel. Am I wrong about that? 
Uh, I really would have to go back and check. Uh, oh, so nothing, but, nothing know, dramatic. No, no, nothing. Who, who support measures for Israel for other reasons, but right. still flirt with extreme elements who are anti-Semitic or themselves engage in anti-Semitism. You can have people who were pro-Israel, and then they're to pictured or, or perceived as voting for, for legislation supporting the U.S.-Israel relationship, and yet they're being pictured with the most vicious anti-Semites and Farrakhan being one of them. Right, got it. I, I don't believe you, you know, that you can be both. Right, got it. And now tell me about Trudeau. So I wasn't wrong. <laughs> when no, I, this when is I... very important. And, you know, people were, were hesitant about Trudeau's uh, right. an election, and, and it's interesting that he cited our good friend Erwin Cutler in his, his response when he was challenged at a town meeting and asked, do you, do you, uh, would you apologize or ask, demanding an apology for his uh, support for the anti-BDS uh, legislation? Right. And he gave the most articulate defense uh, of of his position and saying he would not back off, he would not. And when a country is singled out, and he talked about the anti-Semitic core of BDS, I mean, it was an amazing response. And people can go online and see it. I wouldn't do it justice just to quote uh, some of the words. You got to r- listen and the intensity with which he says. And he said people are free to oppose it. And um, uh, but it really took a really strong position. Uh, which I wish we would hear articulated here more often. Yeah, Twitter went nuts, by the way. <laughs> a lot of people who were relying on him to be anti-Israel were pretty upset about his uh, presentation, about his... Oh, yeah, the, the anti-Israel elements Yeah, were I mean, very it, upset. He, he outrightly and, But condemned. he got a very big round of... Uh, initially, the questioner got significant applause when he finished, um, but when the uh, prime minister finished, he got very solid support for his stand. Wow. He even mentioned it goes against Canadian values, which I thought was a good line. Uh, very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. As and well. the 3Ds talked about how delegitimization and demonization, I mean, it showed he really understood it, and he, he, comp, he, he has, uh, you know, um, grasped the real significance of BDS. Do you think this story about the FBI discovering a 21-year-old who wanted to uh, plan a jihad attack on the on Washington D.C. should have gotten a little bit more attention? Well, first of all, it's not the only case. You know, I have often discussed how many cases there are, and that it's often at least one a week where we see people being charged in the United States with um, these kind of attacks or plotted attacks. And in some cases, you know, the FBI was a sting operation. In other cases, they got information on on a alleged attack, and we don't know how many fail. We only know those that succeed. Um, but this is it, it absolutely is credible, and it's uh, unfortunately more and more common. And the FBI has at least, on average, one a week that want to attack Washington D.C. No, not in the one a week attack in Washington. I'm saying oh, in one general. a week in the United States. Wow. Uh, that there are cases coming up, and they're not all uh, jihadists, or you know, they could be jihad Muslims, or it could involve others. But in in uh, plots to to engage in these kind of activities, uh, one a week is not a lot. You know, when you look at the numbers in Europe, and you have hundreds and hundreds, and if you look at the number of anti-Semitic attacks in the United States which goes into the many, many hundreds, um, uh, you know, it's that's not a big number. Hmm. Uh, anything significant about the timing that Brazil's president's coming to Israel right before the election? We know he's a big fan of Bibi. Well, 
and they have a very close relationship, clearly uh, of a of recent origin. And it's, I'm sure it's meant to be a statement. Uh, certainly Netanyahu is looking for public platforms. He's going to Chad uh, this week. Mm, wow. uh, I don't know if he's going to the Davos conference uh, now that the Americans have all canceled. But the, um, um, you know, it's, it, it's more than just an election gimmick, though. This relationship with Brazil is real, and they're talking, he's talking about moving his embassy. Right, but the timing is interesting. Right. Uh, there are no more honorary consulates in Jerusalem, and this is, I assume, a byproduct of the embassy move by the United States, right? N- no longer will Israel tolerate symbolic buildings in Jerusalem. They want practical buildings in Jerusalem. They want that generally, especially with the shortage of housing. And second of all, I guess it also involves parking tickets and, and the like. But that is, a, you, that is a byproduct of the U.S. move, right? I mean, they would not have had the nerve to... to to cancel the honorary consulates. Well, the honorary consulates is, is a is a gesture. I mean, it's not they don't have any real status. Yeah, but they wouldn't and, have made a big deal about it if the U.S. wouldn't have done what they did, right? I don't know. Maybe it is has to do with with local needs and and. Uh, uh, All right, I hear that. You know, what does it mean? The U.S. wants to buy the Iron Dome system. It means that the army is negotiating to purchase. What's it worth? <laughs> a lot of money. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, the purchase price for the whole thing, they haven't disclosed it, but it could certainly well be in the hundreds of millions. So Iron and Dome. the whole system, remember. But I thought Iron Dome was stuff. partly a U.S. Uh, a U.S. It's, technology. Yeah, but you have to buy the other part. And that's... You, and US, that's Israel buys technology, buys airplanes, fix, puts in new, new technology and stuff, which often the U.S. benefits from, but they still pay for the plane fully. And that's is, And the remainder of it is Israeli technology. Right. Wow. Unbelievable! I thought I thought we I thought Israel so indebted to the U.S. we should just lend it to them, but I guess I guess it doesn't work that way, huh? Well, somebody has to pay for it. <laughs> I get that, but <laughs> but you know, U.S. has our back. They want to use Iron Dome once in a while, you know. <laughs> well, anyway. it's Iron Dome, and I don't know whether they'll buy the whole system, you know, which includes the David Sling, et cetera, but. Right now, I know they're negotiating about Iron Dome, and remember, Israel still buys has the Patriot missiles in uh, in uh, in operation in Israel. Uh, finally, the Israeli Air Force, for the first time ever, had a joint drill with the Royal Air Force of Great Britain. It isn't isn't it amazing how, on a diplomatic and political level, certain countries and their leaders will say certain things about Israel. And behind the scenes, the most sensitive equipment and information is being shared. Um, it, it is always remarkable, the hypocrisy, that uh, you think you've always seen the limit of it, and it, it isn't true. But remember, Mrs. May has been supportive and, right. and uh, friend to Israel, so the, it's the opposition leader, Corbyn, who's the real problem. And, you know, the, the situation there is still in great flux. Israel's had increasing numbers of joint exercises with uh, other countries and participating in broader and broader uh, uh, exercises. They do it with Greece. They've done it with other countries uh, on a regular basis. And this is, uh, and if you've seen, there's this growing Mediterranean initiative, which I've supported for a long time, uh, not only on energy, but also in security and other areas. Is it more about Israeli technology and the desire to learn from Israel as opposed and Also, Israel's war experience. Remember, most of these countries haven't had real engagement um, except.
except those that were fighting in Syria and elsewhere. But this Israel has a, a lot to teach, and Israel learns from it. And it's it's the ability to coordinate that makes a huge difference in the time of conflict. And if uh, you know if their ships and planes are operating in the region, you want them to be able to be, communicate with one another. And it's especially important between the U.S. and Israeli forces, which is why you have so many uh, joint exercises. But the American officials uh, always talk about how much they they learn because unfortunately uh, Israel is tested all the time. Unbelievable. Well, I thank you. Um, have a wonderful Shabbos, and we will speak again next week. You too. Have a great Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update each and every week here at JM in the AM. I remind you that he's going to be heading to uh, Pesach in Vallarta. Uh, information, go to PesachInVallarta.com or dial 786-290-5919. Again, that's 786-290-5919 for information. It is always an extra special treat for us when Rabbi Yudin speaks to us about the Torah portion of the week from Israel. And we're going to get to Rabbi Yudin in a, in a, in a moment. And again, a certain level of excitement whenever he addresses our audience and us from Israel. I want to remind everybody that Matis has JM Sunday this coming Sunday this week. His guest is Sarah Schwartz, Director of Marketing for the Lakewood Courtyard Assisted Living Facility in Lakewood, New Jersey. They'll discuss assisted living in general, what to look for in a facility, insurance needs. They'll talk about the facility uh, that they have down there. And uh, that's happening with Sarah Schwartz, who is from the Lakewood Courtyard down in Lakewood, New Jersey. Matis speaks with her. Matis and JM Sunday starts at 7 a.m. Eastern time this coming Sunday and every Sunday here at the Nahum Siegel Network. As we get set to um, welcome Rabbi Yudin from Israel, I want to remind this audience that there is going to be a very, very special tribute dinner on the 7th of April, please circle your calendar because on Sunday, April the 7th, we will celebrate Rabbi Benjamin and Chevy Yudin's 50 years of dy- dynamic leadership at Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, and of course beyond as well in so many different capacities in the Jewish world. It's happening at the Atrium Ballroom in Muncie. Again, it's Sunday, April the 7th. There is a website, yudintribute.org. Yudintribute.org. You want to make sure that this audience is well represented at that amazing event coming up less than three months from now. This time each and every Friday morning, every hour of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. And as I said, today Rabbi Yudin speaks to us from the Holy Land of Israel. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Shabbos. Shabbos, everybody. For me, it's a little bit after three in the afternoon, and uh, all I can say is, wish you were here. And I know I'm going to sound like a broken record, because before I give you a Dvar Torah, I'm going to tell you what we are missing back in the States. Bli'ai and Hora, we have Shabbos, but we don't have Erev Shabbos. What do I mean? I wanted to take my grandchildren out, forgive me, for a little bit of lunch at one o'clock, and guess what? It was closed. Everything closes early. You can feel it in the air that Shabbos is coming. Not just the people are running with Baruch Hashem flowers, you know, to bring one to another. It's really Erev Shabbos. 
something very special and something that we could be jealous of because it's great to be home. Secondly, just a little bit of warm-up in terms of what's happening in Eretz Yisrael. I'm not big on the performers, but the name Omer Adam is big. He's a Sephardi. Now, the only reason why I'm saying this, that he's not yet observant, is because he is a Shomer Shabbat. Now, don't ask how I can put the two together, but listen carefully. There is a big entertainment um, concert and basically weeks or a week of uh, action in called Eurovision. And this Omer, Adam, was given the opportunity to be in this program. And he said, thanks, but no thanks. I can't do it because there's going to be rehearsals or other activities on Shabbos, and I cannot do it. And this made such a Roshem on the entire nation, and especially the younger people. And um, that one line of his, I keep Shabbos, is so exciting. What do you have in the parsha? We'll get to it, but at the end of the parsha with the Mun, you have the significance of Shabbos. And that is lived beautifully in Eretz Yisrael, as I mentioned earlier. And secondly, the first time in five years, there was some snow in Eretz Yisrael, several inches coming with Parshas B'Shalach. At the end, once again, when the money comes down, the Torah tells us in Parshas Baaloscha, in terms of the white covering that it looked like, and this is what we had. And just be happy that I want you to know the Kineret rose this past week, 15 centimeters in 48 hours. And there was snow in Yerushalayim and Shomron, in Gush Etzion and Harei Hebron. Exciting things are going on here. Now let's get to the Parsha. What a Parsha. Parsha's B'Shalach. So you have clearly the build-up to Kriyas Yamsuf, Kriyas Yamsuf, and then Shiras Hayam, which we have, and finally the Mun at the end of the Parsha, and after that comes Mulchemes Amolek. I'd like to share with you a very interesting Maharal coming from his Gevuros Hashem in Perek Mem, chapter 40. And if you can see it inside over Shabbos, in the old editions, it's on page Kuf Nun. I found this something exciting, worthy of dancing for. And we'll see if we have the same steps in dancing. Comes the morale, and basically, I'll start with the following question. At the end of Parshas Shmos, it happens to be in chapter 5, Pasuk 3. Vayomru, and this is what Hashem told Moshe and Aaron to say to Paro. Elokei ho'ivrim nikro olenu. Literally, the God of the Hebrews has called to us and directed us, whatever the Pesach says afterwards, three days to go, etc. But Hashem is referred to as Elokei ho'ivrim. Now, if I were to ask anybody why I believe that you would say to me, watch, Avram Avinu 
was called Avram Ha'ivri, meaning the entire world was on one side, all worshipping idols. Avram Avinu was the monotheist, bringing monotheism into the world, and he is on the other side, going against the grain. He's called the Ivri, and we are called Elokei or Ivrim, because after all, we are his descendants. If that's your answer, I'm going to mark you right. Comes along the Maharal and gives another answer. Why are we called Elokei or Ivrim? We call that because, listen carefully, Hashem passed us through the Yamsuf. I'll read his golden Lashem. Al Yedei Ha'avoras Yamsuf, through our passing through the Yam, Na'asu, we became La'am Lashem, we became a nation unto HaKodesh Baruch Hu, and Kach Nikru. Why are we called Ivrim? We are called Ivrim because of HaAvoras Hayam. He passed us through the Yam. Now his beautiful explanation for this is as follows. He says, and this is my introduction to his main idea. You should know, my friends, the first book of the Torah, the book of Bereshis, is called Sefer Hayetzira, the book of formation. God created the world, and there's the formation of the Jewish family. In Bereshis, we don't yet have a Jewish nation. We have a Jewish family. Comes along the second book of the Torah, and the Bahag, the Baal HaLochos Gedolos calls the second book of the Torah Sefer Hasheni, the second book. Why? Because here we have a new Yetzirah, another Yetzirah, another formation. Here we have the formation of Klal Yisrael. Says the Maral, what happened at the very beginning of creation? On the second and third day, we have what you would call the waterworks, meaning initially water was all over the world. What did Hashem do? Yikovu amayim. Let the waters gather into one location, that there should be a yabasha, that there should be dry land. So Adam Arishon, so man and all of mankind after him, that civilization should have a place to emerge. It showed, says the Maral, that man rises over nature, that man is more important than nature, that Hashem changes nature on behalf of man. And so he made from the water dry land in order that man should be able to thrive and flourish. Says the Maral, now we have a second Yetzirah. Hashem is literally forming the Jewish nation now. And how does he do it? In the exact same way, by showing that we, the Jewish people, are the Malo Minateva. We are above nature. Hashem 
the same thing as he did with Adam Arishon, now does with the entire Jewish nation of several million people. He makes out of the water dry land. So let's understand something, my friends, that Kriyas Yamsov was not only in response to a terrible dilemma that our Jewish people found themselves with Mitzrayim in hot pursuit. Hashem had to save them. He did so by making the water into dry land. You are right, but it's not just a solution to a dilemma. It's not just an opportunity to give the Jewish people the wealth that Hashem said, and afterwards they would go with great wealth that they had at the Yamsuf. But what was the splitting of the sea? The splitting of the sea was a recreation of that which happened at the time of creation, namely on behalf of the Jewish people, Hashem made the water into dry land to once again show that man, meaning Am Yisrael, is Lamala Min HaTeva, that we are above the natural order. Now this is a very important Yisod that comes out of this that really I found very exciting. The concept that we are called Ivrim, and he, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is Elokeo Ivrim because we pass through the Yamsuf. Now, what happened at this passing through the Yamsuf? We, Klal Yisrael, showed ourselves and the rest of the world that we don't live in Olam Hativi, in the natural world. But rather, what emerges from here is that we live in a different plane, namely, our keeping of Shabbos is so, forgive me, unnatural, that literally the cessation that we have, and people who, Jews who are not yet Shomrei Shabbos, they look from the outside and they say, how do you do it? Those who are Shomrei Shabbos know how special it is because they are connecting with the Malamanateva. We're connecting with something which is not natural. It is supernatural, which is such an incredible idea. Our learning of Torah, again, think about it. Do we want all our sons and daughters to become lawyers no, but the answer is by our learning Torah, once again, what are we doing? We are connecting with Lamala Min Hateva, beyond the natural, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as the Zohar says, Yisrael, the Jewish people, and Oraisa, and the Torah, we are all intricately connected and bound one to another. So what happened over here? at Kriyas Yamsuf, the ability of the Jew to be Moser Nefesh, we pray never should happen again, but his ability to be ready to give his life and his soul based upon V'yohavta Eis Hashem where is this coming from? It all started at Kriyas Yamsuf, that we were shown to be Lamala min ha-teva, that Hashem changed the natural order at 
Kriyas Yamsuf to give us that very strong realization. And once we're speaking about Teva, it's very worthwhile to make mention that this coming Sunday night and Monday is Tu Bishvat. So if I ask you, what's the significance of Tu Bishvat? So you should know. If you are a farmer living in Eretz Yisrael, then you need to go, know this forthcoming year. Is it the Maaser of Maser Sheni? Is it the Maaser of Maser Oni? If there's Orla, what year are you in the Orla count? These are all technical, practical things that someone living in Eretz Yisrael would need to know. But what's it for especially us who are still not yet in Eretz Yisrael? What's the significance of Tu Bishvat? So Rashi tells us that on Tu Bishvat, the sraf, the sap that's in the tree begins to rise. Now think about it. We don't only celebrate when the fruit comes to fruition and we bring it, when we had a Beis HaMikdash, and please God in the future, as Bikurim to the Beis HaMikdash in Eretz Yisrael, but we note and celebrate the very beginning of the process, the Hishachos, the renewal of nature, realizing that is He is the one who maintains nature. HaMachadesh Betuvo Bechol Yom Tomid Masei Bereshis, that He is literally the one that renews creation every single day. And therefore, we mark by eating fruits of Eretz Yisrael especially, and eating these fruits on the Shabbos, or certainly on this coming Monday, on to Bishvat, links us to the realization of HaKadosh Baruch Hu renewing nature for everybody, but we can almost like wink and say thank you Hashem, because we know of that personal relationship with Klai Yisrael. I just want to close with a Mishnabura found in Simon Nun Aleph, talking about Pesukah Zimra. We conclude Pesukah Zimra every day with Shiraz Hayam. It's not just a historical recounting. Rather, we are to pause at Halavai Davin just a little bit slower and realize, wow, I just crossed the Amsov. That's right. And if one says Shiraz Hayam, sings it, Simcha in happiness and joy, says the Mishnabura Mochlin Avonosav. It is a schula for a person's sins to be forgiven. I think the Chafetz Chaim is somebody we can rely upon, and uh, I just wanted to share that with you as we were talking about the very special Kriyas Yamsov and the Shira. I take this opportunity to wish everybody a very special Shabbos Shira, that the Shabbos as well, sings with us as we observe the Shabbos. Shabbos protects us. It's a two-way street. Shabbat Shalom to all.
JM and the AM. Words from this week's Parsha. Az Yashir, Kol Noar Boys Choir. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, and this Parsha's Bishalach, candlelighting at 436 in New York. 436. Monday's a legal holiday. Even more importantly, Monday is Tu Bishvat. Join me and Mayor Weingarten for Monday morning's Tu Bishvat special here at JMNAM. Should be a lot of fun. The big announcement yesterday, we're going to Atlanta. We'll be in Atlanta a week from Monday. Thank you, American Committee of Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. Thank you, Orthodox Union. Thank you to all of our hosts down in Atlanta. A long list of people to thank. Monday morning, a week from Monday, we will be in Atlanta Super Bowl week. That's right. We'll be there for Super Bowl week, highlighting one of the uh, capitals of the Jewish South, and that is uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Plus, we'll have an opportunity to uh, speak about other communities. We'll get to meet some of the uh, wonderful people from uh, Sharitetic Medical Center. Um, we will no doubt get people on the air who are going to be involved in our kosher halftime show. I think that would be accurate, right? Naomi Nachman is going to be down there with us, host of a Table for Two. In fact, she's coming up at Table for Two at 9 o'clock this morning. After that, it's the Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zomik, brought to you by wonderful friends at Kedem. Arab Shabbos Music Mix, brought to you by wonderful friends at Kedem. <coughs> Harry Rothenberg's video blog about Parshas B'Shalach coming up at 1 o'clock. Well, there's a lot happening. There's a lot going on, let me tell you. Quarter before 9 o'clock, it's JM in the AM. I want to take this opportunity. Oh, you know what? I, um... Well, let me see. Give me a second here. Um, first of all, I want to remind everybody that uh, Mayor Weingarten on the Israel Show on Monday mornings covers so many amazing topics that we bring up all week long, plus in the weekly update, especially those topics that are very, very hot in Israel itself. So make sure to be tuned in. The Israel Show, 9 o'clock, Monday morning, right after JM and the AM. Go to the uh, Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Facebook.com slash The Israel Show for uh, more information about all that uh, all that wonderful stuff, <laughs> all those great news items and other news items from Israel. want to take this opportunity and wish a very special mazel tov to Miriam and Aaron Teitelbaum. What a beautiful bar mitzvah last night. Yaakov Shlaimi celebrated his bar mitzvah, and it was just an amazing gathering of family and friends. It was such a wonderful atmosphere. We saw people we hadn't seen in a long time. So many dedicated people to the Teitelbaum family. Uh, the orchestra was simply remarkable. So many of the uh, wonderful musicians that you're used to when it comes to Aaron Teitelbaum's presentations. Uh, we, we enjoyed Avi Peretz and Shlemy Daskal and Barry Weber. Shmuley Unger was there for, for a little while. A lot of wonderful personalities, great singers. And it was just a wonderful time. So on, on behalf of all the extended um, friends and family of the Teitelbaum Mishpacha. We say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. To Miriam and Aaron and Yaakov Shlemi and the entire family, a very, very special Mazal. It was really a beautiful, Hamish, incredibly um, put-together event and just, uh, just absolutely wonderful. And I'm so glad we were part of it and that we were able to celebrate with everybody there. It was just a uh, fantastic 
and the beautiful celebration. Mazal Tov. Friday morning here at JM and the AM on this Erev Shabbos Shira as we continue with more at JM and the AM. Thank 
Usher, Sharf, and Sons, Yom Zemechubad, Friday morning broadcast, JM and the M from the NSN app, the Nachum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. Please announce a Mazel Tov to Rena Helperin on this Shabbos being her Shabbos Kala, and to Rena Helperin and Stu Litwack for the upcoming marriage on Sunday in Muncie, New York. We say Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. All right, plenty more coming up. You're listening to JM and the AM on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. Here is Avramel, Avram Fried. Ramel, that's Avram Fried and Shalom Aleichem. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candlelighting New York at 4.36 on this Erev Shabbos Shira. And it is time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM.
the sun is going down It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do My brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com on the NachumSegal Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Well, that does it for an era of Shabbos, Shabbos Shira here at JM in the AM. Monday's Tubishvat. Make sure to be tuned in for our Tubishvat special. Sunday, Matis, starting at 7 a.m., host J.M. Sunday, 
Sarah Schwartz, Director of Marketing for the Lakewood Courtyard and Assisted Living Facility in Lakewood, will be Matas' guest on Sunday. Saturday Night Single tomorrow night with Avrami. Naomi Nachman is next with Table for Two, followed by Mark Zamek and the Kedem presentation of the Erev Shabbos show, plus, of course, Erev Shabbos music mix all day with Kedem and um, the uh, video blog from Harry Rothenberg at 1 p.m. Eastern Time in Parshas Beshalach. We're going to Atlanta a week from Monday. Thank you, American Committee, Shari Tzedek Medical Center, and thank you to the Orthodox Union. More details, obviously, next week. To Bishvat is Monday, everybody. Get ready. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Till Monday morning, I'll come to go reminding you. Remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.